part of what we're subject to, I guess, as Christians is um, the influence of the world around us. Um, you know, uh, for us to say that we're not impacted by uh, denominational practices or we're not influenced really by where we are in the world today is, um, you know, uh, that's uh, probably us kidding ourselves. Um, so I want to start, you know, at the beginning, uh, talking about this concept of work. Um, you will need your Bibles a little bit later on, but a lot of the verses are going to be already up here for you. Um, Genesis 2.15, uh, this is getting started about, about as far back as we can go. <clears throat> and the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So from the beginning, there's been work for us to do. Um, we're going to talk about this idea of that it's commanded um, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you. In Psalms, uh, for thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. In Proverbs 16.3, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Alright. And like this says, go ahead, it's good for you. Psalm 90, verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Proverbs 12, 11, he who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues uh, worthless things lacks sense. So we see that we're supplied to some degree by that. Wherefore, I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion, for who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? And Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which ye have showed towards his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints, and do minister. So we see there's a benefit in it for us. So no problem, I can take care of myself, and surely that's all I'm responsible for. Well, let's see. Let's go back and see. So in Deuteronomy 15.10 says, You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall, be, shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in your land. So it looks like we might be working for other folks as well. When you beat your olive tree, you shall not go over uh, the bows again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not go over it again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. And you know, when we think about you know charity today, <clears throat> sometimes we think about it in terms of, you know, I'm... I do 
my gathering and I do the gathering for the other person and then I carry it to the other person. And you know, what, what we see here is that the gathering, you just don't gather it all. You know, some folks made today would say, well, you're kind of cruel. You, you know, you're, you say you're providing charity, but you had the guy come cut the grass or, you know, you, you, there was something he had to do. Well, I mean, the point is, does God have something for everybody to do, no matter really what their place is? Something to do, right? <clears throat> but the guy who planted the olive orchard, um, did he work? And did he keep it? And did he provide for his own? And did he provide for others? Sure. All right, Acts 20, 34. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, you know, um, there's a lot of different ways that people influence us in our thoughts with regard to our charity. But when we look at uh, God's plan for us being charitable, what do you see? Okay, so let's talk about balance and moderation. That's a big that's a concept you hear a lot about. Let's consider the ministries of Jesus and Paul. What about commitment and dedication to the work before us? What about zeal and self-sacrifice? <clears throat> um, a lot of times I think in our culture today, when we're talking about balance and moderation, we're talking about moderating our zeal and self-sacrifice pretty often. Um, <clears throat> moderating our commitment to these things. So whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you're going. So, you know, is that sound like that? Uh, when I was a kid, the coaches talked about 110%. And what they meant was 100%, but it's going to feel like 110%. <laughs> um what about Christians representing Christ? Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So if you're supposed to represent Christ out there when you're working, when you're doing, um, what do you think that's supposed to look like? Is that on time? Is that diligent all day? Or is that, when is that break? And, whew, you know, if I spend an extra five minutes here and here in the bathroom, I don't believe anybody would be hurt by that, right? You know, the, the idea of representing uh, Christ in all that we do, does that apply to everything? <clears throat> Once your fingers get over 50 years old, they don't want to work this touch screen real good. So is being a worker part, some portion of our Christian character? Is that part of what a Christian is supposed to be? 
And so I'm just cutting in the middle here, but uh, 1 Corinthians starting in uh, 4 verse 12, And we toil, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. When uh, we have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were uh, to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. And, and when it says here, be imitator, imitators of me, does it refer back to what we see in 12 and 13? And is working part of that? Is our diligence... Uh, in being productive, a part of what you see in those verses. And that's, you know, something that you think about yourself. Um, so, I may comment if I have time on it a little bit later. In part of 13, he talks about this idea of scum of the world or dregs of all things. Just remember that and if we... Uh, Get a chance to talk about it if time allows, uh, we'll do that. So if you would, turn with me to Proverbs 31. This will be our first reading together, where I don't have that on the screen. Proverbs 31. I'm going to start in verse 10 and read together through the end of the chapter. So who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safe, safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field, and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hand she plants a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hand holds the distaff. She stretches out her, arm, her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh uh, herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is uh, silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up, and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuous, virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised." Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Um, 
and just a couple things to think about is her household defined by abundance and productivity. Think about that just a minute. You know, um, I had somebody that I love a whole lot uh, tell me, uh, as I had noticed, uh, you know, uh, a lot less diligence uh, around physical things around the house. Um, something along the lines of basically that was evidence that her priorities were in the right spot because she was working on spiritual things. And, uh, you know, pretty much if you let all those things go, uh, first thing that I see when I walk in is, is not how Christian you are. You know, I, I'm not thinking uh, that you're prepared for hospi hospitality. I'm not thinking that you're prepared to provide from the abundance that's coming out of your household for those that are in need. You know, um, this idea that somehow um, poverty should de define Christianity is not really the picture that I see. Um, you know, uh, when we look at Christ saying that he didn't have a home to stay in, that he, you know, the foxes have holes and I don't have a place. Uh, you know, try to use uh, perspective and think about what is the message that the Bible has for you and for you to do. Don't look for it. You know, if you look through the scriptures to find, try to find a reason to uh, not be productive and diligent, you'll find some verses that will help you out. But if you look at the entire picture of who we're supposed to be, um, I think that diligent, consistent, persistent, giving 110%, representing Christ in your work through those things is what you're going to find. Now this is an image for you history folks and a little bit older folks. Y'all know the image. And the message was, the, the message of the day in history, this is timed uh, at a time when our uh, country was at war and the general message that was being put out by the government is if we fight together and we work together, we'll win together. We'll overcome the oppressors or, you know, the bad folks that are trying to get us, right? Um, I don't really know uh, how that's a wrong image for us uh, as God's people. We fight together, we work together, and we'll overcome who? What? The world, the devil, right? But without Christ? No. Without God and His help? No. But without effort? Is that really, you know, without diligence? Uh, without rolling up your sleeves? And, without rolling up your sleeves and going to work? You know, you, you think about this image of the Israelites coming out of Egypt and the Egyptians, you know, giving them gold and, you know, you know, said, ask them for gold and give them all. I don't know about y'all, but when I was baptized, you know, I didn't uh, go outside the building and folks just start sharing with me with money. And, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm giving responsibility still yet to work, right? 
I've got responsibility with regard to my salvation. I've got responsibility with regard to my own maintenance and the maintenance of my household. And I've got responsibility with regard to those on the outside as well. And I see all of those things. Things to consider. <clears throat> for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Are all Christians called to full-time ministry? And this is a term, you see I've got it in quotation marks. And remember, you know, it's easy to fall into the influence of the uh, denominational world around us. It's easy to fall into the traps that are around us. Is it possible to be a full-time Christian and be a plumber? Or a CEO? Or a tent maker, as far as that goes. Um, my, uh, this is Mark 6.3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So my question is, was Jesus still the perfect, obedient, and pleasing Son of God when He was a carpenter? What do you think His work looked like? I bet if He made a table, it was right. Alright, turn with me to uh, Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Let's read this together. Starting in verse 21. 21 through 34. <clears throat> For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, and therefore thine eye uh, be single. Thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be, thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the, light, the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, uh, for they sow not, neither they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why uh, take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall, you, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. <clears throat> so, is working hard all about the money? No. Really not about the money at all. When in this passage uh, we see this phrase, and all these things will be given to you. What does that mean? Given to you like the birds being, and the flowers being clothed and the birds being fed? So is salvation a gift? What about work? Is it a gift? How then do we approach gifts from God? This is uh, Philippians 2, 12 through 16. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among who appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have uh, reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. So, um, when we consider uh, what we see here, uh, this idea of these things being given to you, think about what that given to you means. Is salvation given to you? Right? But is there anything for you to do? These things of this life that are provided to you? They're given to you? Is there anything for you to do? And I know this isn't this lesson but we've had this lesson on gratitude before. And gratitude, as we discovered um, in the definition, the very definition of it, is basically uh, your response to a gift, a duty owed as a response to that gift. If you look back at the Webster's definition pre-18-something, you know, they changed it up, the new one, but the, eight, uh, the old version of the Webster's basically says that um, there's a duty for you associated with the gift that comes, and that's what gratitude is. It's not for the money, right? It's for the purposes given, right? Let's check for a few warnings. It says, He also who is slack in his work is brother to him who destroys. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. For even when we were with you, 
we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. So this is kind of my finishing thought. Um, and it's out of Isaiah. Um, and I, I mean for this to be an encouragement um, in, in our work. Um, you know, one of the things that when we think about moving forward, maybe the economy of a local congregation, um, when I'm talking to people about, you know, purchasing a piece of land and the economy of it, I try to equate when we're talking about uh, the contribution of the individual acres. You know, I try to draw a mental image like each acre is a mule. So each acre is going to pull a certain amount of resources, right? So every mule eats, right? Uh, but those acres that don't produce, we're all, if we're all strapped together and we're all working together and we're trying to pull this, pull, you know, go down the road together, um, if you've got a rocky spot, you know, the Bible talks a lot about good soil and bad soil. You know, we, we read about seed. We get these farm-type analogies that we can, you know, think about with regard to uh, who we are, right? And so, if we're taking in some resources and, and God is the one ultimately that supplies us in these things, are we providing the work? Because if you're not, you know, if we're tied together in this thing, you know, the image that I would give folks, you know, if you've got 100 acres of timberland and um, 50 acres is swamp growing bushes and water moccasins, um, you know, the rain falls on all of it. God's providing a certain resource to all of it, but uh, that, the economy of that's not too great, is it? So, we, you know, we have these ideas. Well, I wonder why the church isn't doing good. You know, is it that... God's not supplying like he should? That's not it, is it? That's never going to be the problem. So when we talk about, you know, um, why are we in the shape we're in? Um, maybe it's tied back to some of this, um, that we're not pulling together, that we're not working like we should. Um, so these this last few uh, verses, um, do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, uh, who, who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men uh, stumble badly, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And when we talk about our uh, Christian fight, when we talk about uh, walking uh, in the light, when we talk about running the race, when we use these images, and, and these images come from our 
from the scriptures and we're thinking about our service in the kingdom, right? And, and we're talking about this work that we're to do. Um, getting these images or these ideas, um, letting the world around us define those things, whether it be the religious world around us or whether it be uh, the not religious world around us, defining um, what it means to be a Christian. It, the, the book is going to describe to us what it means to be a Christian. And, you know, when it talks about this idea of balance and moderation, what, what I find when I look in my two, New Testament or the whole book is zeal, diligence, not a quitter. You know, when you've got that image of Rosie the Riveter on there and you see her with her sleeves rolled up, uh, who thinks that uh, she's not still ready to go at 5 o'clock? Right? A whole pile of whining and, man, I'm ready to quit. It, if that's us, then maybe passages like this are passages we need to maybe memorize and think about. Um, because... What does this say? For those that wait for the Lord will gain new strength. <clears throat> they will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And I think if we <clears throat> embrace that, <clears throat> we'll be better uh, for it. And... Um, not get tired of it. So there's been a song um, selected for us to sing together, um, number 305, number 305. Uh, what I would say is I, I know we haven't talked any about the plan of salvation. Um, <laughs> we've talked about the idea that, <clears throat> you know, the uh, Bible talks about this idea of counting the cost first. Maybe we've done some of that this morning. Maybe we've counted the cost. Because what's the cost? It's to give it your all, right? To serve Him with all your might. And um, if you know what the will of the Lord is in your life uh, with regard to uh, becoming a Christian, and you'd like us to help you do that this morning, we'd be glad to do that. Um, if you are a Christian and you found yourself uh, lacking in some way and that you need the prayers of the saints uh, here, if you need to make some confession, We'd ask you to come forward while we stand and sing the song's been selected.